Welcome back to another episode of the Property Experience Podcast with Anna Porter and Nick Barlow. This podcast will take you behind the curtain of the property market nationwide. Welcome back to the Property Experience. I'm Anna Porter and... I'm Nick Barlow. <laughs> how we've got this down pat now. It's like we pre-rehearsed it. Didn't practice. Didn't practice at all. Uh, so we are talking today about where to get information about markets and properties and making good decisions when investing. But actually where that information comes from, it's all great to talk to Brian at the barbecue. I'm sure he's a property expert. We've all got a Brian at every barbecue. Uh, but Brian's probably never bought an investment property in his life, let's be honest. So we want to talk about where we get some of our data from. Some of it's paid, some of it's unpaid, and help arm you with some great databases and tools if you're thinking of investing yourself um, so that you can go out there and get the great quality information we get. Uh, so Nick, commercial expert, also done a lot of time in residential um, and you um, would have um, a heap of data at your fingertips to make good property decisions. We don't just make it up because we, I mean, I couldn't tell you what vacancy rates are around the country as I've got a database to tell me. Um, we rely on that data. Um, what are some of the databases you use every day? Uh, some of the databases, well, like you said, there's there's paid and unpaid. Um, probably the one that most people know of that's, that's paid for is um, the digital data. Yep. Um, that gives you and that's access. That's about 700 a month, just um, putting it out there. I think yep. you can get access to it through a website called Investar. Um, Investor. Um, they have like a smaller subscription to it, it's a lot cheaper, around 100 to 200 a month. Mark, which is much more palatable for someone that's just going to buy one or two properties. Yeah, and you can also pay for one-off reports as well. So mm-hmm. if it's a property that's specific, so um, that that's a really good place to start f- for us anyway, um, because you can look up any property, uh, you can see when it last traded, you can see what they paid for it and when, uh, and you can do various mapping things as well, and you can map where you know other properties around that have sold more recently as well for your your um, comparison sake. So getting sales data, what's sold, how much it's sold for, how it compares, so that when you're buying, you can make really good buying decisions around price is the big one that RP Data or CoreLogic offers. Yeah. And that's why ours is expensive because we have it nationally and we have the, the best of the best version of it. But there are lower level memberships you can get access to. There are. And you can and you can also get it uh, from, say, brokers. Yeah. Um, Real estate agents, cozy up yep. to your local agent, taking yep. for lunch a few times they, and ask for a report here and there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, brokers will give you, be able to download um, they'll have a subscription as well, so they'll be able to download those reports. But so when they give the automated value, so you can get an yeah. automated value report off that, are they very accurate? Uh, they can be. It's it's really tricky. Residential, I find, is a lot more accurate than commercial, um, and that's based... Uh, the commercial will not give you any commercial property will not come up with an automated value. Uh, that's just because there's so many different variables. Um, you've got a house and a townhouse or a, or a unit and they're, they're uh, separated in, in RP data. Whereas commercial, um, you might have office, you might have mixed use, which is true, you might have multiple tenancies, you've got a mixture of office and retail, either in residential or in one building or in one title. So that's where it gets a lot trickier. But um, residential, um, yeah, is, is a lot more, uh, it's straight, it's more, it's more accurate but also, that being said, it can sometimes draw down properties that are incorrectly coded. So I've seen plenty of those provided to me by customers and banks as a valuer where there'll be 20 comparable properties and there'll be 19 for residential properties and there'll be commercial property and that'll skew all the 
And then you also get things that can't account for necessarily, like if your property has views compared to something that doesn't, your Absolutely. property might back to the bush, which gives a nice private outlook, the other ones don't. One's renovated, the rest typically in that area might not be renovated, that's standard. It can't really account for that, or in a rising or declining market, it can fall behind the market pretty quickly as well, can't it? Yeah, that's right. It won't take into account any updates you've done internally to your property since you bought it, because unless it's been on the market, it won't know those things. But it will typically compare a property with others based on land size and accommodation. So averages, it looks at averages. If your property is at the average, you may need to reconsider that as a piece of information that helps you make a decision. Okay, but you can pull down individual sales and actually assess it yourself. This property up there sold for this, this property down there, and let me map through what that looks like. Yeah. Take, that, like take note of the photos. You've just got to remain objective about it. If it's a property that you've fallen in love with, or it's a property <laughs> that you own already, yeah. obviously it's rose-coloured glasses sometimes. Yeah. So that's where when you're discussing it with an owner of a property, um, you know, obviously, you know, you've got to be respectful and mindful of that. Absolutely. Um, so, CoreLogic's a paid one. Um, PIMS for commercial. Yep. Okay. I use um, InfoTrack a lot for that as well. Yep. We can um, draw down leases, company searches, title searches, name searches. It helps really paint a picture when you're buying a property around, especially in the commercial space or a development site around. You know, and, and, and I'd say this as well. If anyone's buying a brand new property, um, a new unit or a new anything, I'd actually be researching the developer and looking at who are they, who are the directors, what's their history, Google them. So yeah. many times I'll Google a developer, a, a director of a development company or one of the major shareholders when I draw down the company details and they're in the newspapers for, you know, defects and problems with their projects and not paying trades and so you don't want to be involved in that. It's, so it's really important to take that step. Sometimes, like, yeah, you, you think about info track and ordering leases and ordering titles. Sometimes you've got to take a step back and sort of the, the keep it simple approach and literally just type it into Google oh, and it'll come up Google with tells all these all. different things. You know, so <laughs> You've sometimes, got to find out who the people are that, that you're Googling. <laughs> that's right. But sometimes that's overlooked. You yeah, know? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, only the other day I was looking at a, a, a business and um, just trying to find out who the business was owned by, what company, because it was in a personal name and all these things, and it came up with it, you know, and I was able to then do an ASIC search on that company. Yeah. Well, we had one where we were asked to do some due diligence on a developer for a corporate client of ours. And the development company name was like, you know, I'm not going to say the name, but developments number five. So we looked at 4321. It made it easy for us. And we looked at who the directors and shareholders were. And when we started pulling down those names, then typed their name into a search with defects and problems and build problems and put in some of those keywords bang our computers lit up like a christmas tree mm. so that made it a, a very easy piece of information to take back to our and once you start to get a feel for then you've got to justify that again so when we're doing it for a commercial client we can't just believe google because google sometimes can put stories out there that aren't always um justifiable we could then though trace that back to the da register and actually make sure they put in the development application and actually go through formalized complaints on some of those projects but we then you want to look for the addresses yeah. the names where to go searching it tells you where the fire is so you yeah, go, right. go look for the fire and each each piece of information gives you another avenue to explore exactly exactly and if you're buying off the plan i, I wouldn't do it any other way to be honest i, yeah. I really wouldn't um what else do we use so we've got info tracks we've got core logic we've got pims anything else jump um, out that you love using yeah arcastar i really like arcastar again another um, expensive one i think we bought arcastar yeah. 
Uh, I think it's the circa ten or twelve thousand dollars a year for that database. It's a big investment. Um, I could have bought a small car for that, but it, it's great, isn't it? It's yeah, amazing. it's really good for site the site identification process. So you can put in site criteria such as zoning or use or frontage, things like that, and it will narrow it down very quickly. So more for developers, this would be. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have commercial acquisitions. Like yeah. if you want to buy a site, that could be a car yard or something. Yeah, I'll probably it's probably um, overkill for someone looking for you know to acquire residential property, for instance. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Put that towards the purchase instead. <laughs> um, any other ones that jump out at you that you love? Um, well, I mean, I'm a fan of the council websites, DA trackers. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of free information available, so each each council will have a DA tracker where you can look up what's been approved or not approved. Um, for a property, so you might be able to look at something that um, you, you can look at neighbouring properties and maybe an approval that's on a neighbouring property that isn't you know, obvious when you're driving down the street. You might not have a DA sign out the front of your And obviously, um, the planning portal has things like flooding yep. and environmental overlays, yep. which is again free and a must if you're yep. investing. I love Gap Maps. Gap Maps gives a heap of demographic data and a heap of information about who lives in the area and where they're spending their money, how much money they have. Um, and so there, you know, that's, um, Gap Maps is another expensive one, but obviously council and local um, ones are, are a bit more free. And one of our favourites that we've both contributed to over the years, it's a free report you can get. The uh, monthly review for Heron Todd White. Monthly <laughs> review. So um, Nick and I are ex-Heron Todd Whiteys. Yeah. <laughs> what do they put out? Uh, that, actually, it's a really, <clears throat> excuse me, a really comprehensive report that's actually done monthly. It is written by um, individual directors of areas and asset classes. So it's not someone sort of sitting in a head office that just interprets data or calls someone up. They actually put specific questions out to all the different entities and offices. And, so these um, are the guys that are on the ground in real time doing the vowels in the market. Yep, exactly. So you'll if you have a read of it, and it's quite exhaustive actually um, and extensive, um, you'll see that it will say who it's actually written by. And, and so that provides a level of comfort, I think, I think because they give specific examples of mm-hmm. stuff that um, properties that have sold in their marketplace and there they interpret those sales and reference them back with whatever discussion is. I used to write it for the Illawarra area and I remember my boss John said to me at the time when we started putting it out he said um, the only excuse not to have this in to the office on time this this information because it goes out so far and wide so valued in the community um, is if if someone in the family dies you know like your mum no one else like we don't <laughs> not not distant family not a cousin immediate family if you're at the funeral we'll give you a day's leave. They are very strict <laughs> um, they on get it, it done. For good reason. <laughs> yeah because yeah. it is a really really um like it goes to banks, it goes to lenders, it, it goes to insurance companies. It's it's very well regarded in the industry yep. and it's very well utilised and, and that's why it has to be done done properly. So Yeah, they've got a quite a good tool in there or, or graphic in there called the Property Clock. Yep. And um, there's a lot of other um, uh, industry experts that put that out. They, they source it, but they but they use it yep. because it's so comprehensive and yep. so accurate. Yeah. Um, why reinvent the wheel? It's there, um, and they or why reinvent the clock in that instance? <laughs> but uh, they they produce they they use that within their own reports. Source her and Todd White, and um, and I think that's a, a, a testament to it. And I love that it's an unbiased opinion. The value is ha- they're not trying to sell you anything. They're not trying to 
um, no. you've got no agenda. No. Their role is to be independent, and Correct. I love that how independent this information is. Um, and we, we use it a lot. We always review it, um, and, and I think it's such a useful tool for anyone who wants free information about local markets. Yep. Highly recommend anyone thinking of investing should be downloading the report straight off the Heron Todd White website. Yep, and you can subscribe and get it sent to you each month, um, and you, or you can download it ad hoc, and you can download previous reports and probably out circa 100 pages. Yeah. So it's pretty but I'd also caution anyone, any data you get, it all comes down to interpretation. You can look at the data on the surface, unless you're in that market, understanding what's happening in real time, spending time actually looking at properties and that sort of thing, or you get you know, commentary, just raw data on its own could be interpreted so many different ways. So you get out there, get boots on the ground, meet and greet the agents, have a look at properties and get a feel for what's really happening and, and talk to people in the industry. And that will give you the best idea of how that data actually plays out. Yep. So thanks, Nick. No worries. Today we have a special guest on this episode, Angeline Mann from Heron Todd White, one of my old firms that I worked at, and Nick, we, we love Heron Todd White. She's here to talk about their national research capabilities and the month in review report they release, well, every month, and how uh, informative and how much their finger is on the pulse with this report. So um, thanks for joining us, Angeline. So I am the commercial director for Heron Todd White for New South Wales and ACT. I uh, have been a Vanguard now for just over 20 years. Uh, I have been worked in residential and commercial for my career, so um, I've seen a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, now I primarily focus on, on the commercial side of things. Yeah, so um, each Heron Todd White office around the country obviously is responsible for preparing their local content for the month in review. Um, it does vary, but uh, generally speaking, a director kind of oversees um, the submission. Um, however, really, the um, the content is driven by the values on the ground. So, um, for example, I prepare Sydney, and when I do that, um, I go out to our value, or if it was on industrial, for example, I would go to the industrial expert in my team and ask them um, a series of questions and for them to provide me um, information about what's happening in that in that market and then I sort of pull it all together from there. My second question is around how accurate do you think this is? Is the valuers really got their fingers on the pulse or do you think sometimes you guys might get it wrong? Because there's always criticism out there that valuers are a little bit behind the market. Are these reports really up to date with what's happening in real time? Talk me through that. Yeah, um, look, I think they're accurate. Um, certainly they are, as I said, they're put together by valuers who are on the ground every day. And um, we are such a big company and have so many valuers that we are um, really, like valuers are concentrated on a particular area or asset. Um, so they really get to know that, um, that market really well. And that you can't say that about all valuers because um, obviously some valuers in other firms, for example, might cover large, large, um, areas and therefore yes they have really good local knowledge i'm not suggesting that they don't but with our team because they're so they're, we've got so many valuers on the ground they really get in and get to know that local market so and they tend to just do that day in day out um, one of the other good things is they often are um, really across what's happening in terms of the auction results for example for their market and um, obviously, we do quite a, you know, particularly in the residential space, we do quite a high volume of work. So 
um, when they're looking at a comparable sale, for example, to do evaluation, or they're just generally looking at the market. If you were looking at a particular house that sold recently, there's often a good chance that we valued it. So we that valuer has a really unique insight to what that that sale um, was like, and then if they're doing evaluation, obviously how it compares to the one they're looking at. So yeah, like I, I, I know that there is a little bit of a um, reputation that valuers have. And certainly, you know, we do look, we are looking at what has happened rather than forecasting what is going to happen. Um, but certainly, you know, we do our best to stay on top of things and be, you know, sort of on the pulse, I guess. Lastly, who's using these reports? Should it be investors using them? Should, should it be buyers using them? Banks? And they're disseminated throughout the market. Who are they actually made for and what's the application for them? You know, who should be reading them and what should, decisions should they be using from these reports? Sure. So they're not intended to be exact investment advice about what's happening in the market and where you should therefore invest your money. But it's it, they really are intended for the people to have a high level overview of what's going around going on around the country um, and where the markets are sitting. You know, the, the property clock is very popular. It sort of shows you where. Um, each market is sitting, whether it's sort of declining or um, on the way up, etc. Um, so yeah, so I don't think you should. I don't think any investor should put all of their um, investment strategy based on our month in review. It, it would be part of a decision, I think, and you should. They should certainly seek further advice. Um, but. It's really broad, as you said. We we send it out to a really large database, and um, yeah, it's really just intended on being sort of a high-level overview of the market around the country, and as best we can do from our local knowledge. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Property Experience. Stay tuned for more great content.